This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, March 1st. And Brendan, spring training baseball is underway. I, for one, am ready for a brand new day. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs won an organized professional baseball game today. Did you like think about that before you did it? Or is that just off the top of your head? That, that was pretty Brandon, impressive. I'm a pro. I couldn't do that. You know that. I can tell. I can tell. I mean, anyway, praise for me aside. We'll have, there's always time for that. <laughs> but praise for me aside, it's March. The Cubs played an organized baseball game against another professional baseball team today, and that's a really good thing. There was a, a small number of fans socially distanced throughout the ballpark. That was nice to see. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody's being safe and all of that, but good to see us kind of inching our way back to normal and, and having fans at the games. And we've got baseball content to cover, so we will talk about what we're looking for in this spring training, some of the storylines we've already laid out for you guys, I think you guys know, heading into the the slate of games for the Cactus League, and just some other musings about spring training as, as, as the boys are back playing baseball. But Brennan, I think, you know, I'm burying the lead here, the, the number one story <laughs> Uh, as we head in. And now, the, as you're hearing this, the Cubs have played a spring training game already. But heading into the full Cactus League slate, Kevin Rizzo on Sunday in camp, running lines with the boys, doing cardio. He looks good. I I, I think he's got a shot to make the team. You know, when we talk about being in the best shape of their lives, yes. Kevin Rizzo might be up there, yes. man. He was doing he those sprints, not e- like not even heavy breathing. That's the thing. He's in great shape, Corey. He looks great. Um I hope he makes the team. Uh, we also yeah. got, you know, some appearances from Maya Ross, uh, mm-hmm. David's dog over the weekend. So some good dog content to lead us into now, you know, daily baseball content. So the Cubs did play the San Diego Padres today in Peoria, Arizona. So the Padres home park, also somewhere that I worked at one point in my life as an intern. Little, I actually played on that field, Corey. So you worked there, I played there. There you go. Some some trivia for you for yeah. you folks. For for you guys who were looking for <laughs> trivia about the Peoria Sports Complex in Peoria, Arizona. Brendan and I have been there before. It's very exciting. But this one was seven innings. That is, I think, going to be the norm for these spring training games, which Brendan, I like. Uh I, I you know, I, I, I don't I hope that that's not some sort of like inching toward a a future that Manfred envisions. You never know with him because he's a a fan of some of these wacky rules. But for spring training, I think seven innings, keep it brief. Most of the guys, the the main starters today were out after two or three innings anyway. And if you need guys to get work, you have several innings still to get it in there and you can do whatever at your own complex. But I think the, uh, I think moving beyond nine inning games where, you know, it's, it's half a triple A roster versus another triple A roster, just not specifically necessary, at least on my end. I don't, (laughs) I don't like it. Like I rather see as much baseball as possible. And I rather see guys like Brennan Davis, get more at bats and get Chase Strumpf more at bats. I'm not like heavily, strongly opinionated against that, but more baseball for me, the better. I want to see more. That's just who well, I am. You're, as a you're, you're an Arizona boy. Spring training is, is more your. I need to work on my tan a little bit. I don't want to leave early. Yeah, it's. I know that's that's more your speed than mine. But also, I don't. I don't know if I love the phrasing there, kind of Im- implying that I don't want to see more Brennan Davis content because well, I. Well, it sounds like you do. don't. So I think like that was slightly unfair phrasing, but I'll I'll let you get away with it. Anyway, after. A long off season, a long winter. We were able to. I don't. I don't know if you guys at home keep a separate one for spring training and, and one for the reg, you know the real one. But we were able to dust off the W flags today. The Cubs win one to nothing in the Cactus League debut. Not much in in a one to nothing spring training game where most of the guys have two at bats. There's not a lot to write home about. Uh, but Kyle Hendricks did get to start in this one, putting him, of course, on a path to start opening day. I think given 
the state of the rotation and the departure of Yu Darvish. That shouldn't really surprise anyone, especially considering Hendricks started last year's opening day anyway. But he goes two innings, one hit, no earned, one walk, and two strikeouts. That's kind of the the big news. The the lone run of the day was a manufactured one. The Cubs' uh, David Bodie getting a leadoff walk, moving around the bases, and being driven in by P.J. Higgins, someone to keep an eye on, uh, you know, for depth and, and a bench roll possibly throughout the season, and especially as we look through this Cactus League schedule. So, that was the deal for Monday. Uh, as we always talk about when it comes to spring training, especially for the big guys, as we go through this episode today in particular, I think we'll continue to highlight some things that maybe you can look at under a microscope a bit more. But I, every year, if you've been listening to this podcast, I offer basically the same caveat with spring training, and that is to not really pay so much attention to the results and and the Mm. specific numbers unless things are really extreme, right? Of course, it's all about health. That's That's the priority, getting everybody their work, making adjustments, getting the right practice stuff in, but getting everybody healthy, for the regular season and and making sure that that everybody's in the best shape they can be. Uh, But unless something is extreme, a guy is really, really bad and just looks really off, or a guy is completely lighting the world on fire, kind of just take it in stride. Everybody's working on stuff, as we always talk about. You never know what someone is working on on a given day pitcher may be working on a certain part of the zone. They may be working on getting a feel for a particular pitch. Uh, Hitters, you know, someone like Jock Peterson, he's got a huge focus on the work he's going to do against left-handed pitchers. You know, so what he's working through in some of these at-bats, sometimes guys may go up there looking to go to the opposite field, looking to elevate the ball, all sorts of things. You just never really know. So it's it's something I say basically every year, uh, but if Anthony Rizzo gets one hit the entirety of the Cactus League, don't worry about it. All right. So that's that. That's pretty much it. Kyle Hendricks walked somebody today. We don't need to to panic. It's okay. It it'll be fine. He's going to be uh, Cy Young level Kyle Hendricks in the regular season. So that's that's my caveat there. But uh, the other thing I wanted to note really quickly, just because I know it is uh, a big topic of discussion. There are a lot of questions uh, about it, but if the, the broadcast situation. So the game was not on on Monday on Marquee or via the San Diego Padres. So even if you had MLB TV, there wasn't a way to catch this one. The beat writers did their best to take some videos. Uh, I know Russ Dorsey from the Sun-Times had some good videos. Jordan Bastian, friend of the podcast from Cubs and MLB.com, had some good videos. Tony Andraki, uh, the beat reporter for Marquee, had some good videos. So if you're looking for a little bit of the content there, you can find that. And at least just to update you for this week, uh, Tuesday, if you're hearing this on Tuesday morning, that game against the Royals is on Marquee. Wednesday, that game against the Mariners is on ESPN. Thursday should be on the MLB Network, but you have to get the MLB Network, and you know sometimes there's blackout rules with that. Friday against the Indians is also on Marquee. And then Saturday and Sunday are available via the opposing team. So if you get MLB TV, you'd be able to get that. If you, I'm not telling you to do this, all right, but if you happen to find a stream somewhere on the internet, that there is video footage available, unlike on Monday for this opener where neither team was broadcasting the game. So I know that's been, uh, we got a lot of questions about that on the, on the Cubs Insider handle. On Twitter, got some questions about that on Instagram over uh, at the Cubs Related, Cubs underscore Related handle. So just trying to keep you guys updated. If you Google Cubs Spring Training broadcast schedule, there are some helpful articles that are out there. I know it's a little confusing. I know even if you live in the Chicagoland area, some of the stuff with Marquis is confusing. I get it. I don't control it. Uh, I wish that all of the games were broadcast and easily accessible, but this is how it is. So uh, try to, I guess, make note of the games that we are able to catch and are able to watch and try to plan accordingly for those games. But that is sort of the the lay of the land here. Uh, if you had Javi Baez in your pool for who got the Cubs' first hit 
of spring training. Congratulations. It was a hard hit single up the middle. So Javi gets us on the hitting board and PJ Higgins gets us on the RBI board. So that's where we are, Ben. And it, it was good to see baseball. It's good to see the guys back out there. And it'll be good on Tuesday to, you know, really hopefully be able to dial in and, and watch a full game and uh, see a baseball broadcast again. But that is where we are. Spring training is underway. So, I, I, you know, I offered my caveat, kind of how I generally look at, at spring training before we maybe get into some of the particulars. Any any general thoughts on, on spring training and, and stuff you look for maybe on the whole? Well, I mean, spring training's my favorite time of year i mean it's it's low stress baseball it's it's the it's the most fun i think that we have in the entire season uh what i typically look for is not what they're doing successfully in games if that makes sense like as you said i don't i don't care if a guy's batting 500 by the end of spring training versus let's say tony batting 150 uh i i don't care about that what i do care is what they're trying to do differently. Are they trying to change something? Is a pitcher trying to work on a particular pitch? Is a hitter trying to work on a particular mechanical change? And that's kind of where my focus goes. Over the years, some examples that we can give include one, like John Lester's changeup a few years ago. And John, in one game, used it 35% of the time. I don't know why I remember this, but uh, I'm, I'm... a crazy person. Hey, but he Brandon, a... <laughs> I also think about John Lester randomly sure. all the time. I know, I know. Well, we're both nuts. But uh, yeah, one game he used it like once every three pitches. And in his last season as a Cub, that was one of the pitches he relied on. He spiked his usage over the last three years by like threefold. So that's what I look for. I look for someone like Jake Arrieta. Is he going to continue throwing as many change-ups as he did in Philadelphia. Is he going to throw more up-and-in sinkers? I'll be looking at Adbert Alzali. How does that slider look? Does it look more like a cutter? Uh, other pitchers on my radar, Cole Stewart. What is his entire repertoire going to look like? He has five pitches. Most of them have top-tier stack cast numbers. Is that going to look different in a Cubs uniform? You got the bullpen. I mean, we can talk about the pitching side of things for like five episodes here, but all... Of that being said, I don't care about the actual numbers. I care about what the players are saying. I care about what we're seeing that's different. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, it's still a work in progress worth following over the start of the season. Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. This is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, just go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've gone through some of the storylines and and really the the things to watch. So I think, you know, maybe laying those out to start now that the games have started, just as a, a brief reminder. I, I, I think it's it's kind of simple, really. There's one position to watch. We've talked about this a lot. It's second base. Otherwise, it's you're not going to have the same lineup every day. Guys are going to get spelled. They're going to get a rest every now and again. You, you have some interesting guys uh, who will probably be on the bench, guys like Mariznick, Cameron Mabin, etc., and you know whoever else ends up uh, getting those spots. The, they'll get in there sometimes, but generally, you've got starters set at all but one position. Wilson Contreras is going to be your catcher 
for the most part. Chris Bryant is going to be your third baseman. Javi Baez is going to be your shortstop. Anthony Rizzo, your first baseman. Jock Peterson, your left fielder. Ian Happ, your center fielder. And Jason Hayward, your right fielder. Again, might mix and match every now and again. I think, you know, maybe in particular guys like Peterson, Hayward, monitoring them against lefties, but generally they're they're going to play. That That's going to be your position group more often than not. Second base, we'll see what happens. That is uh, basically going to be a battle between Nico Horner, David Bodie, and Ildemaro Vargas. How the Cubs are evaluating that and how they decide to make that decision is something that remains to be seen. Uh, but beyond that, in terms of pitching, it's who's going to get these starts? How many of them are they going to get? How are the Cubs going to cover these innings, given everything that we and especially the front office and coaching staff have talked about with coming back off of the strange 2020 year and the different schedule and guys being on innings limits and making sure that everybody's you know in the right physical place to eat these innings. So how do the Cubs do that? And then as Brendan mentioned, you know, looking at the bullpen and again, seeing how all of that shakes out, how many position players the Cubs are going to carry, how many pitchers the Cubs are going to carry. That's really the stuff to watch. So I think, you know, every year is kind of different in terms of positions you're looking at or roster decisions. You know, in, in past years, you know, we've we've spent a lot of time who's going to lead off, who's going to play this position, what's going to happen if this guy needs a rest. And, you know, I think from a position perspective, it's it's pretty cut and dry except for second base. And on the pitching side, you know, we know some constants, right? We know Kyle Hendricks is going to be your number one starter. He's going to get his starts. Zach Davies is going to be in there. He's going to get his starts. Jake Arrieta, he's going to get his starts. Alzali certainly seems like a lock to play a pretty significant role. He's going to be the starter on Tuesday. So at least as currently slated, the the number two starter in the rotation, though not official for uh, the regular season or anything. But there's a lot of names who might also get those opportunities, and you know their their spring performance may affect that. Same with the bullpen. So that's that's kind of the the general like here are the main storylines. If if this was like the beginning of an episode of Sports Center, that's how I would be laying this all out for you. Second base, who's getting the starts, and how exactly is this bullpen going to be structured? Who's going to be in it, and who's going to be playing what? roles. And again, you know, how the Cubs evaluate that, you know, looking, I, I suppose we can start at, at second base. We, we've talked about this a, a good bit, so I don't, I don't want to belabor the, the specifics of this anymore. If you guys have been listening to us for, you know, the past several weeks, even months, it's, it's kind of been the same situation. So I think you guys know the lay of the land. Nico's development uh, and where he is at his career is, is kind of one of those forefront issues and, and whether the Cubs believe he can overcome those offensive struggles. Now, if he goes out and rakes in, in spring training, does that automatically mean that they believe he's hitting those benchmarks? it's hard to say, right? They, they don't often tip their hand. I think what we've gotten from Jed and David Ross are things along the lines of, we love a good competition, but it would be great if somebody, you know, grabbed that position by the horns and, and forced us to, to give them the job, which is, you know, basically as much of a coach speak kind of platitude as, as you can get, right? Like, we hope somebody's really good and wins the job. Oh, Duh. okay. Well, that's not very specific criteria, but... We, we've also heard, uh, you know, some members of the staff in front office talk about how clearly Nico can articulate some of the struggles that he had and, and some of the adjustments that he needs to make and the, the way with which he's able to speak about hitting and the art of hitting and, and the changes that he wants to see for himself. So clearly he, he's got the head for this and it's just about whether the Cubs believe he's making those adjustments and is going to be in a position to succeed as as the opening day second baseman and, and, and the main guy for that job. And, you know, with someone like Bodie, he's had adjustments, issues that he's needed to make, you know, at, at certain points. Uh, elevated fastballs, elevated velocity has given him a lot of trouble, and that's something that he's had to work with and work through. So what does that look like in the spring? He's also uh, one of those weird defenders where he makes really slick and smooth plays very, very often. 
and you'll go, man, he's he's smooth, he's a great defender, and then he will boot the most routine ground ball you've ever seen. So he's he's a he's a, a bit of an enigma on defense sometimes. But those are, you know, examples of things for him that, you know, if he's coming out and he's bashing elevated velocity and he's taking things the other way and stuff like that, you know, maybe you think he's taking that next step and that gives him a leg up. So it's all just to say exactly what the Cubs are looking for in terms of performance here is hard to say. And I know it it seems sort of I don't want to say trivial, but spring training is it's it's not a lot of games. Uh, so you know to to suggest like oh well if David Bodie or Ildemaro Vargas get three more hits than Nico Horner, does that give them an edge? Does that put them ahead? It's it's hard to say, but at the same time, this is what they have to work with. This is the sample that they have to look at, and so the Cubs front office has got to put their heads together and and look at last year other years and and see how this this performance goes in the Cactus League games and on the field for how they're going to make this decision. But but Brendan, I'll, I'll put it to you. We, we've talked about this a lot. So I, I think everybody kind of knows the, the general idea. And, and of course, you know, we really hit home that Nico being so young and, and a first round pick and the, the second baseman of the future in, in the vision is very important in, in getting that right. But as you're watching these games, is there anything in particular that would maybe give you some clarity if this were your decision to make in terms of who's getting this job, you know, whether people are, are starting in AAA perhaps, or, or and anything that you're looking for in these games that, that would give you some clarity in saying, yes, th- this is clearly the person for this job, or, you know, maybe even Nico specifically, like, he's doing the things he needs to do. They should give him the job. He's he's great on defense, and I think he's ready to do this on offense. Well, I think he's clearly ready on, on defense. All the StatCast defensive metrics last year rated him as one of the better defenders when he was out there. Now, offensively, a lot of these objectives are going to be unknown to us, like what they actually want to see from, from Nico to identify if he's improving or not. And it goes back to my point. I don't care about the numbers. If Nico's going to bet 400, but he's doing so off like cheap hits or doing so off pitchers whom the Cubs believe are not challenging him, I'm not going to be fooled by those numbers. Now, if he's doing that, if he's batting 400 or if he's batting 200, but he's doing so by actually successfully implementing some of those objectives or goals that the coaches are giving to him, then that does pique my interest and it does validate, let's say he's batting 400, it does validate that those changes might be working. So you have to like really contextualize a lot of these numbers. Now, I'm trying to remember where I heard this from, but we've seen it from other prospects in the past where they try to change their point of contact. And one example was David Bodie. And in 2018, Bodie changed his point of contact where he was making contact with the pitches a little bit more out in front of the zone. And that spiked his power pretty dramatically. And he destroyed low pitches, destroyed low fastballs. Think of that walk-off grand slam against Washington at Wrigley Field. That was a low fastball. Eventually, the league caught up and started to go up, up, up to Bodie, and he couldn't really adapt successfully. Uh, So I say the point of contact because Nico might be one of those guys where they're trying to get his point of contact out in front. And I believe, I believe we did hear this, but don't, don't take that as gospel. If we look at Nico's last year, his 2020 season, everyone's 2020 season is, is bizarre, but his in particular is a little bit confusing because halfway through the year, and I'm talking like, you know, through almost 90 plate appearances, Corey, he had an expected weighted on base average, Nico Horner, of 340. Like in the start of September, again, a short season, whatever, but start of September, he had a weighted on, expected weighted on base average of over 340. And then he plummeted in the last two weeks, absolutely plummeted in the last two weeks. And so looking at the total numbers, I'm not comfortable doing that with Nico last year because the entire season was a small sample size to begin with. And it's not to say, hey, I'm going to cherry pick the first half and not look at the the second half, but I'm also going to look at what he did right in that first half. And what he did right was smoke the baseball. He was hitting the hell out of the baseball, but he did not have 
barrels. Everyone keeps coming back. Where's the barrels? Where's the barrels? Where's the barrels? He just was hitting the ball so hard, but not on an elevated plane, not lifting the ball in that barrel range, how StatCast classifies barrels. So exit velo plus a certain degree of launch angle to go with it. Nico's hitting too many balls on lower planes. Think of like Jason Hayward circa 2018. High exit velocity, not lifting the ball. Not to say Nico's going to be Jason Hayward this year, but the point being, Nico has this innate ability to hit baseball's heart. He needs, and what I think the Cubs will be trying to nudge him towards, is just slightly lifting the ball. Not changing him, but getting him to a point where those hard-hit balls are not finding the shortstop's glove on line drives, or not finding the second base glove on line drives, but rather finding the gaps and going above left field and center field a little bit more often. And I think Nico has that in him. So I will be looking at that point of contact, and you can kind of tell how hitters do this. They might change their batting stance. They might sit a little bit deeper in their squat. They might change where they stand in the batter's box. But it's, it's pretty pretty apparent. And you can look at like David Bodie when he was in the minors for so many years. He looks hardly recognizable from, from today. And so that's something to really own in on. And then speaking of Bodie, uh, looking at some of his at-bats today, I think he had two at-bats, one walk. Uh, but he looks pretty similar to last year in terms of that like open batting stance he's changed over the years. He actually supposedly made a pretty nice defensive play. We didn't get to see it. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think second base is hard to predict. Personally, you're asking the wrong person about second base because I think like Bodie and Nico Horner have a lot of potential and I can see both of them locking down that spot. And I like second base. And I think both of them as defenders are capable of holding their own. It's just a matter of who the Cubs trust the most from an offensive point of view while also considering Nico's development. But I hope, it's my hope that uh, that Nico can just slam dunk this and then David Bodie can be used more of as a utility guy third base put KB in the outfield when the matchups are right and you kind of optimize the entire roster that way and if Nico takes control of that man like David Ross has so much more flexibility to do whatever he wants and I think that would be incredibly important for the entire team yeah and I think in some of these workouts Vargas in particular has been working behind Javi taking some reps at short yeah uh you know so if he's not the one at second base you know he also provides some flexibility at other positions some depth depending on how they want to utilize that but I'm I'm with you and I think that the Cubs are if if I was guessing I I know that they're probably not going to say this looking at the quotes that we've gotten from Jed and stuff, but I, I think they want Nico to go out and do this, and they want yeah. Nico to be the guy, and for that to be kind of cut and dry. Just uh, That's just my read on it. It's it's nothing in particular, you know, against Bodie or, or Vargas or, or anybody. I think, you know, Nico's the first-round pick. He's the young guy, and if you can get him going on, on kind of supplanting himself as the Cubs' second baseman for a long time— He's already been up. He's already playing. The sooner the better. So I I think that that's what they're looking for. And, you know, I think this is one of those situations where, again, if there is some extreme to one end, if one of these guys is just awful and looks bad and, and things like that, something to keep in mind. If one of these guys is red hot, just unbelievable how well the guy's seeing the ball, making all the plays in the field, approach looks good, everything you know, maybe something to keep an eye on. But generally, I think the front office and the coaching staff have an idea of who these guys are. They know where their struggles are. They know the matchups they need to succeed in and, you know, have had struggles with in the past. And I, I think this is one of those things where, you know, they're they're going to put their heads together and, and go off of what they're, what they're seeing more likely than any particular numbers. Again, unless there's just some extreme discrepancies throughout this. And, you know, like I think an example of that would be, you know, uh, Nico, or let's say David Bodie, right? We talked about the, the elevated heat. Like if he, if sure. this, if he's just getting fastballs blown by him throughout spring, striking out a ton, you know, the numbers just aren't there. Again, you never know what type of competition they're going to be against. Some days you're going to be against guys who are going to end up in AAA. Some days you might end up facing, you know, Max Scherzer and then somebody else. Uh, or is is Washington in Florida? So it's not, I, I, I would pick a team <laughs> that they can't face, 
Right. I picked yeah, a random pitcher off the top of my head, and I, I picked a team that they literally cannot run into. So uh, that's that's my luck. But you, you just have you just idea. you just have the Nationals on your mind. I get it, Corey. Because of John, yeah, I, know, I, do. I get it. I get um. It. Anyway. You never know the type of competition that they're going to face, but if if one of these guys is is really struggling in an area that they need to kind of show that improvement or or at least a, an ability to keep their head above water uh, against, then yeah, that's something to keep in mind. But generally, I, I don't think this is going to come down to batting average. I don't think it's going to come down to OPS or you know spring training. Do they even calculate spring training WRC plus? Brendan got fan <laughs> graphs, sure, maybe. I'm sure someone does. <laughs> anyway, right? Like. It, it, I don't think it's going to come down to that. I think they know what they want to see out of these guys. I think Nico in particular, they know what they're looking for. Uh, again, I, I referenced you know the the comments about Nico's intelligence, and that was from Jed Hoyer in an article that Jordan Bastian wrote on, on Cubs.com, just about the clarity with which he's able to speak through the inju- adjustments that he needs to make and the improvements that he needs to make as a hitter. So I think everybody knows, and it's just going to be about what they see over the course of the next month or so. And, you know, you'll kind of have to read the read between the lines a little bit in terms of what Jed gives us and David Ross and maybe the lineups as we go forward to maybe see if they're tipping their hand at all, which way they're leaning. But I I, I think you would agree, Brendan, that I, I think they want it to be Nico. When they say we want someone to take the job and, and just run with it, I, I think they want that person to be Nico. And like you said, be able to use David Bodie and, and Vargas or however they end up building that bench in more uh, strategic manners and, and, you know, getting guys rest and get, allowing guys to play different positions, etc. So that would be my guess. So that's second base. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Like I said, if, if you're looking for position stuff to dig in on, that's the one where there's competition. Otherwise, not going to be much change anywhere else. You know, you can look at someone like Jock. I, I think Jock is is someone, of course, to pay attention to. He's going to be your starting left fielder and how he does against the left-handers that he's able to get the work in against in, in this Cactus League slate. Uh, but again, whether he hits 500 against lefties in spring or gets no hits against lefties in spring, doesn't matter, right? Like it's it's all going to be about the regular season. He's going to get that shot no matter what, at, at least for a little while, right? So second base, that's where it is. Um, so moving to the pitching, you know, there's there's a lot to watch here. And, and I think that, you know, you tweeted something to this effect the other day, Brendan, that this is a really interesting spring training for pitching. And, and I think more than anything, if you are looking for something to really sink your teeth into over the course of this spring training, and, you know, put on your, your scouting hat or your front office hat and, you know, just try to play along with, with thinking about who's going to get these opportunities, who's going to make the team, stuff like that. The, the, the pitching is, is the place to look. And there, there's just so many interesting things going on. I, I think Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies are maybe like the, the lone two guys in this rotation where you can just go, yeah, it doesn't really matter what happens in the spring they're going to get their starts. We kind of know what they they do uh, at a major league level, right? Like, and that's kind of cut and dry. But basically, everybody else is super interesting, and it starts with Alzali. And I think that Adbear, it's his birthday today, actually. Happy birthday, Adbear! Yes, uh, the, the and, and maybe there's more, but I, I think we've got a pretty strong Pisces gang of uh, Adbear Alzali today. Me on oh, Friday. Good. You just wanted an excuse to bring your birthday up. You do this every single year. But Jake Arietta's is the day after. The after your birthday? Yes. So we've oh, seen all the content of Jake and Adbear working together. You know, I'm like kind of in that mix. You know, we have the same astrology sign. You know, so yeah, we'll go with that. Basically, sure. I'm like, you know, they, we, they've been talked about as a duo throughout spring training. I think maybe we start to look at it as more of a trio type deal. <laughs> um, but, you know, you guys do whatever you want with that. You don't have to. I'm just, I'm just saying we could. Me, Adbear, Jake. I, th- I think it's kind of a cool little group that we have. But so happy birthday, Adbear, is really all I wanted to say. But his development, his ability to hit his ceiling and, and all those other good things is so important for this team in 2021 and I think represents 
one of those areas where if it hits and I don't you know I don't he he's going to be on an at least some type of innings limit he's not going to you know pitch 32 games and throw 200 innings or anything like that but if he is able to give you you know, top of the rotation starts. And I don't necessarily, you know, he doesn't have to compete for a Cy Young. We don't have to put that kind of pressure on him. But if he's able to give you stuff where you're looking at him in terms of the quality of his starts as like a number two or a solid number three, that's huge for this team, huge for this team. And, And even having traded you Darvish and of course not getting that production from him, Adbear's one of those guys where if he really hits that ceiling and is able to to continue building on the adjustments that he made at the the latter portion of the 2020 season and and continue taking those strides I think that's one of those areas where you know you look at some of the projection systems that didn't like the Cubs this year you look at some of the pessimism that was out there you know from writers etc that's one of those guys where he can really flip that script uh, because I think people don't completely know what to expect there. And, but he, he's got it in him, and we've seen it already. We talked about the relationship that he's building with Jake Arrieta, but all the content we see throughout the spring, everybody's working hard. Everybody's out there trying to take that next step in their career, so he's not alone in that, but you just get that vibe from him that he is so hungry for this shot because in these past years, he's been one of those guys who's been up for a spot start, back down. Up for a spot start, back down. Up for a spot start, maybe make a couple relief, you know, long relief appearances, back down. Up and down, that whole thing. And I, he just has that air about him of a guy who is ready to take that next step, who is ready to kind of like they, they, you know, Jed and, and Ross want for the second base job. He wants that rotation spot and he wants it locked down. No question. So as we go through the spring, just seeing what he's bringing to the table, right? And and seeing if he's able to continue some of that stuff he was doing at the end of last year. Brendan can, you know, lay it down a little more specifically, but he he is one of those guys where him hitting anywhere close to that ceiling and 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 really stepping up to be that guy in my I mean obviously, but really drastically changes I think the outlook of this team and there there's there's other guys to watch but in terms of like importance it's it's adbear man look if we're talking about like reaching your top tier projection like realistically this year and i think there's a chance for all these guys but realistically it's adbear and you talked about him going up and down from iowa for years he was doing that as a different pitcher. Like th- this Adber Alzali is a, is a different pitcher than what we talked about in 2019. And to some degree, even during 2020, during spring training, this, this is a new guy. Alzali developed two new pitches that make up half his repertoire now. He came into the league as a fastball curveball guy. He is no longer that. He is now a sinker slatter guy. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Jake Arrieta. And he, Alzali, implemented these new pitches because of his time in camp last year during COVID. And he ca- he came up to the big league squad and immediately started throwing sinkers once every four pitches. Same thing with the slider, once every four pitches. And the stack has metrics on those pitches were extremely impressive. Top tier spin rate, fastball spin rate, top tier as well. And he had success because of it. And so it kind of makes you think, like, what is that going to look like in a larger sample? And what's that going to look like in terms of shaping out the entire rotation? If you can come in and, and lock down this like third spot in the rotation, that would be absolutely huge for other guys' development, such as Tyson Miller and Corey Abbott, and maybe you know Justin Steele if he comes up at some point, and Braylon Marquez. So this does have effects beyond just Alzali, and I, I think he's the one to look at and kind of really hope. That he turns into something because of those reasons. But I, I, I'm I, trying to figure out who's the most interesting guy to follow. And it's not to say, hey, because I'm picking this guy, this other guy's not interesting. They're all interesting. But truly, the one guy that's, that's piquing my interest is Tyson Miller. I talked about it a lot. But there was a picture, Corey, of Tyson Miller talking to Kyle Hendricks. And you can see Hendricks. He's showing Miller his spike curveball grip. 
that could just be pitchers being pitchers. I'm sure they talk all the time, whatever. But that that would be interesting if you can actually go in, start optimizing some of his breaking pitches. But Miller is unlike almost any pitcher in in big league camp. I, I mean that without hyperbole. His release point is the most unique release point probably in professional baseball. It is lower and more towards third base than almost 98% of guys. Tyson Miller, six foot four. That should not be happening. And because of that, because that he's six foot four, because he has this wacky release point, his extension when he lets go of pitches is closer to home plate than over 90% of pitches thrown last year. That makes his velocity, you may see 93 miles per hour on the actual like TV screen. It's really 94 and a half, 95. His effective velocity because of that extension is much faster than what's being reported. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you have this guy, he's six foot four, hasn't had a chance, has some success in double A, got lit up in <laughs> right after that. And he has five pitches. He's got these unique levers, unique release points. How do we how do we get this guy successful? Like wh- like what is missing here? He has everything that pops off the charts, and so when we see Tommy Hadovy and Craig Breslow work with Tyson Miller, I selfishly would love to see him get a spot right from opening day. This lockdown the rotation with Kyle, Zach Davies, Jake Arrieta, Albert Alzali, and then uh, Tyson Miller, and then Alec Mills. You can go be the Mike Montgomery of 2021. Cole Stewart also love you. He'll get his opportunities as well because of the inning limits. But from day one, like just give me give me Tyson Miller, man. Like I truly believe that with the right changes, I don't know what those changes are, but with the right help, he has the raw tools that pop out from both just watching him and on like this this data that I think can from day one have a huge effect on this team. Yeah, there are a lot of interesting names in terms of the arms on this team. You know, of course, you're going to be able to look and see what Craig Kimbrell's doing. And if he's able to look as good as he did uh, at the end of the 2020 season. But in terms of other guys getting opportunities, there there's a lot of names. And again, you know, kind of to go back to what I said earlier, it's a similar thing. What what I think you're really looking for is firstly those adjustments, right? And some of them have been much talked about. You kind of know what you're expecting there. Uh, You know, I know Brendan has talked a lot about Jake Arrieta in particular and some of the adjustments. Tommy Hadovy spoke and kind of reiterated a lot of what Brendan said. So you you can kind of look at that stuff and, and get a feel for someone like Jake. But with a lot of these other guys, you know, you're kind of looking to see just generally how they look and if there's anybody that kind of fits on those extremes. If there's anybody that comes out and is just blowing guys away, getting a ton of whiffs, looks like they've added new pitches or attacking the zone differently and it's just producing numbers that we can't ignore. Uh, Or, you know, again, on that opposite side, hopefully it's not this much as frequently, but guys that are getting lit up right? And, and guys that just don't look like they have a feel for their pitches, command, stuff like that. Otherwise, you know, you kind of have to defer again to Tommy Hadovy and, and his brain trust as far as what they're looking for for some of these guys and, and how it goes. And, and you know, again, I think it, with pitchers in particular, you never really know because we've seen these guys make a ton of adjustments. Brendan was just talking about Alzali and adding pitches to his repertoire and so you're going to have guys on days where, you know, they're they're working on stuff that maybe we don't know and the results don't look good, but that's because they're throwing the same pitch over and over again, right? And yeah. it it's they're they're not game planning necessarily sometimes how they might in the regular season and things like that. But there's there's a a lot of names and for this rotation, you know, again, beyond Hendricks and Davies and you know of course you brought in Arietta he's going to get his opportunities but there's a a lot of names and and you know getting a couple of these guys a few of these guys to really step up and and kind of make those adjustments and hit hit the, maybe not their ceiling but just get that progress going in the right direction it's hugely important for this team and I think would change a lot of the way that we feel uh, about 
this pitching staff and this rotation going into the season after an off season where you know once you trade you Darvish of course like there's a lot of questions about the the pitching staff there's a lot of uncertainty and you've got a lot of guys who have not had the success that they've wanted or that you'd want for them this year that you're trying to make adjustments with and so you got to kind of give it a chance to to work out give Tommy and, and Craig Breslow and everybody a chance to work on this stuff throughout the spring slate and see where they are uh come April but yeah I, I mean I I don't know if I have anybody other than some of the names that that you've mentioned uh you know it'll be it'll be good to see Brandon Workman out there I think that was a really good signing by this front office um, you know, this is a guy who, when he's at his best, is is a really, really good back end reliever. Um, so being able to see him out there and and you know uh, that he's healthy is is going to be something to watch. We've talked about Trevor Williams on this podcast a lot, and you know even someone like Alec Mills, who you know obviously had a lot of opportunities in the 2020 season, uh, but you know nothing is is guaranteed. I think he's certainly going to be in that mix. But, you know, he's another one who, you know, still is is trying to take strides in his career, build off of last year, build off of throwing a no-hitter. And so being able to see what he's working on, what he's doing, and, and if there's any changes, that's something to watch. And, you know, we've mentioned a lot of these these other names, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, Corey Abbott. Who who gets a shot? Who showcases stuff that you know really makes you go wow? Like look at this. And as we go through the spring, I think you know obviously this is uh, something that is Brendan's strong suit, and and I would imagine will be written about by some of the beat writers. But as these guys start to get innings, you'll be able to dial in on this stuff, and and we'll check in with you guys as this stuff happens. Like hey. Here's what we saw in this game, and and this is interesting. You know, this guy's throwing a curveball now, or this guy was working up in the zone a lot. You know, Brendan talked a lot about you know Jake uh, and what he's going to do with that sinker, and how the Cubs have had a lot of guys elevate pitches like that, and you know try to reconfigure their pitch distribution and stuff like that. So. It, it, we got to get these games and we we sort of you know need them to be on tape uh you know <laughs> cough cough uh it'd be nice if all the games were broadcast because that's how we see this yeah. stuff but on the first day which is when we're talking to you guys when the pitcher was Kyle Hendricks you know followed by some other guys but the the main the main event of today was Kyle Hendricks not a lot to dial into. Like I said, Kyle Hendricks is Kyle Hendricks. I genuinely don't care what he, what he does uh, throughout spring training. He's going to be great. He's uh, one of, I, he's probably the most underrated player in all of Major League Baseball. He can do whatever he wants in spring training. I don't care. Uh, he's going to be great. And there's not that much to dig into. But, you know, especially starting on Tuesday with Alzali. And then once we start to really get, uh, you know, especially past that, you know, the guy's just throwing a couple innings at a time. Once we get to like the real meat of spring training, you'll have some stuff to dig into and we'll we'll, we'll start to be able to piece this together uh, a little bit. But, you know, the, the bullpen is another one where there is a lot of opportunity for innings there and it's going to be good to see some of these guys getting out there, you know, uh, especially after 2020. It was such an odd year. Some guys, you know, their performance was a little all over the place, and it's going to be good to see what's up. Um, you know, someone like Kyle Ryan, who was, I think, a little late to camp uh, dealing with the, the, the COVID protocol, um, but, you know, he obviously had an up and down 2020, so what he's looking like, Dwayne Underwood Jr. is another guy who's been sort of, you know, feeling like he's been on that cusp of, of taking that next step and, and being a real big piece for this bullpen, but, you know, also struggled at times, so seeing what he's able to do, because he was one of those guys last year, Brendan, I think starting in, in summer camp, really, when they were doing those exhibitions at, at Wrigley Field, he was a really interesting guy, but once the regular season started, uh, I think he was struggling with the long ball, and you know it just didn't materialize the the you know the the way that you you kind of had envisioned it as that as that season started. But the dude's got really good stuff, and again, like feels like one of those players who's on that cusp of you know breaking through and taking that step to be uh, a really big piece of this bullpen. And I mentioned Kimbrel, but you know hoping that he's in that same spot he was at the end of the 2020 season and that, you know, the the closer job is going to be his to start the season and that he's able to 
lock that down and you know everything kind of builds from there Rowan Wick dealing with an injury uh, so he might be delayed you know that's 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 something they're going to have to work around unfortunately Uh, he's obviously one of the Cubs best relievers and being without him is not great but need him healthy for the long haul so you know if he has to miss spring training and you know opening day that's all right you just got to get him in the right shape for the majority of the season but beyond that you know you don't have Jeremy Jeffress anymore who played a huge role in 2020 in in being the the closer for a little bit then the setup guy once Craig got himself together so filling out all these spots you know this is what spring training is for and I, and I think that that's kind of going to your point the other day Brendan about the, this pitching staff just being particularly interesting you know we, we we don't have that much to dial into on an offensive perspective uh, so it's really about these arms and I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most is is seeing if anybody you know really makes that stand for themselves really sort of plants their flag and says David Ross, Tommy Hadovy, like I need to get starts or I need to get innings out of the bullpen. You you cannot leave Arizona without me on that roster. And you know maybe nobody steps up to that degree. Maybe it, you know everybody sort of has a, a pedestrian time here. But I, I think we're likely to see at least somebody. You know maybe a few guys really step up and show something uh, and and create a little bit of intrigue as as for what they can do for this pitching staff. Yeah, the the bullpen is such a strength, and it's funny to say that because it wasn't even a year ago that we were freaking out about it. But right now, we have six guys. Us freaking out about the bullpen? No. (laughs) I know. Not us. But we have six guys who are locked in, I think, right now. That's Craig Kimbrell, Andrew Chafin, Brandon Workman, Ryan DePera, Jason Adam, and Rowan Wick. Those are six guys, I think, from day one, they're going to be on the roster. And depending on what the Cubs do with the rest of the roster, how many pitchers they hold, maybe they hold eight relievers. I think they're going to hold eight, but you never know. Maybe they go with nine. Who knows? But the other two slots, there's so many candidates. Dwayne Underwood Jr., Kyle Ryan, Pedro Strope is back in camp. Hats to the left. You still have Dan Winkler, Brad Week. Uh, You have I like him. James Norwood. Dylan Maples is still on this team, Corey. Uh, and then you have Braylon Marquez, who's not going to be on the team from day one, but he's a candidate as the year progresses. Uh, of those guys, I, I think they all have their interesting features. Dwayne Underwood Jr. is also someone to watch. He has this changeup that is extremely fast. Like he has, His changeup is faster than almost like 90% of the league. And it has more dropping action than, again, like 90% of the league. It, it's a it's a weird changeup. Uh, Evan Altman, too, last year during spring training, wrote that he was developing a curveball. Uh, we didn't see the curveball much throughout 2020 during the COVID season. Uh, I'm assuming they just he didn't want to go with it because of the, the weird ramp-up period and him trying to prove himself. But Look for that during spring training again. Uh, look for that curveball. Maybe he starts using that a little bit more often. That becomes a feature pitch of his uh, by the end of spring. But look, man, I think the bullpen, as as it stands right now, I've I've never felt as confident in, in a pen in the, the last three or four years. Um, most of the time, I feel bad about it, so that's probably why. But I think there's like truly a lot of guys to lead on that that makes sense. We've lived through some bad bullpens, man. We have. So, you know, this one might not have a a litany of of big names and surefire, like, lights out reliever, but there's a lot of good arms. There's a lot of interesting guys, and we can't hammer home how much we like Tommy Hadovy and his crew. I I, I mean, have you guys heard us say that, that we trust Tommy Tommy Hadovy? I don't know if we've ever (laughs) said that before. Um, But. Tommy, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, we'd really love to have you on this podcast. I'm sure Tommy listens. So if you want to hop on, we'd love to talk to you. Brendan, I think you and Brendan would really hit it off. Um, although I might, if the, if if we ever get Tommy Hadovy on this show, I'd be worried that I would need a new co-host because I, I think Tommy would be like, hey, uh, Brendan, you know, where do you live? And like, <laughs> what do you do for work? Um, but... <laughs> We've lived through some bad bullpens. I, you and I were talking about some names the other day that I don't. I don't even think we're going to put on these airwaves. It's unfair to you guys no, listening no, no, to this no, show. No, but like, no. you go back. It's unfair, and, it's unfair to me too. I don't want to hear any of those names. Neither do I. But okay. like, Brendan and I are in our late twenties. I'm in un- unfortunately the last week of my twenties, <laughs> uh, as I'll be thirty on Friday. And so I'm sure some of you have experienced 
plenty more bad bullpens. But even just thinking back to when I was a teenager, I mean, some of these names, I I really like, I, I get I get like stop. a chill down my spine thinking about <laughs> some of these guys warming up and, and, and coming into the games. So I, I think that's why we look at a, a roster like this that might not seem explosive, you know, necessarily on the surface, uh, but there's a lot of potential there. And I think that's exciting and, and, and something to dig into. And I, you know, so I, I, I think that's fair, but, but you mentioned him and, and we've talked about him. I, I, I would be shocked if there is another Cubs podcast that is as effusive in its praise of Pedro Strope and, and what he's meant to the Chicago Cubs organization. But I, not obviously I hope he succeeds and, and makes the bullpen from a, from a performance perspective, because I, you know, basically want that for everybody. I'd like every player on the Cubs to be very good and to be at their best. Right. But just seeing him in camp, man, like I love that dude so much. And I know he's not going to be the Pedro Strope of 2015, but the, the way that he lights up the practices and the scrimmages, and you you hear the quotes from David Ross about just how having him around makes him so happy. His smile, his laugh, like it, it, it's it's one of those. It's it's similar to Jake. They're obviously very different players. They have different personalities, and and they they bring something different to the team. They also came over in the the same trade, mm-hmm. but just having guys like that performance aside it's important and we talked about you know there's an impact in losing someone like Kyle Schwarber who's been a staple of this team grew up in this organization world series hero you know you lose that you lose someone like John Lester I don't think I need to reiterate what John Lester meant to this organization and to this city but it's not easy to replace that stuff and Jake and Pedro Strope and some of these other veterans don't necessarily have to play the same role. They're not the same people, but you need guys like that. And sometimes just having Pedro Strope around and the vibes that he's able to bring and the personality, that stuff matters. You you want the guys feeling good. You want that clubhouse to be together, to have a good feeling about them, to have a good energy about them. And there are certain guys that just help that. And, you know, we've, we've seen Jake's impact already in, in, you know, mentoring Adbear and, you know, Adbear the other day, Jake threw, I think like a a bullpen or a a sim game or whatever it was. And Adbear was sitting in the stands, you know, watching it happen and and learning and, and, you know, being a part of that, that situation. And, you know, Strope just uh, those those pictures from the other day, the first day that Strope was at the workouts, it's infectious. It's so man, fun. just seeing yeah. his smile and seeing him getting back with these guys, just really great. And so again, like obviously, I hope that every reliever on the Cubs is really good and has optimized and maximized their potential and and all of that because I want the Cubs to win every game and I want them to be really good. But Strope in particular, man, you know, if you've been listening to us for years, you know, obviously before he left the Cubs and now came back, you know, we were very clear about uh, Pedro Strope and, and how good he was for so many years for this team. But I just, I just really hope he makes his team because there, you know, is just something about guys you love and being able to root for them and seeing them succeed. Uh, and he's, he's just one of those guys who I will always root for. And so I, I hope he, he's able to get an opportunity, is healthy, and is able to contribute because that just would be uh, really, really nice to be able to root for him and see him coming out of that Wrigley Field bullpen. And Corey, like he and Javi are extremely close. And I, I we haven't talked about this, I think, in a while. But uh, Javi, and this is actually on tune, uh, Javi was discussing last week how he personally, not not the entire team, but he personally had what he described as like uh, kind of like a, like, like a post-World Series hangover where he wasn't truly in a baseball mindset. Not that he didn't care or wasn't working hard. He was, but he wasn't like a hundred percent in his baseball world in a way that he needs to be. This is according to him. And so I'm reminded in 2016 
the effect that Pedro Strope had on Javi Baez's performance. Javi's a guy who needs confidence. He needs that external stimuli to get him going. And Strope was that. Strope went to Javi in game one of the NLDS in 2016. He's like, hey, you're going to win the game right now. What did he do? He won the game for the Cubs with that home run uh, against uh, Johnny Cueto. So their relationship is unique. And Javi coming off of a bad year, having just a person to go to, a familiarity of, of a mentor, not even from a baseball perspective, from like a personal perspective, a mentor like that, I think is huge for Javi. I think it's huge for the team. And I know Pedro is well-respected by a lot of his teammates, by Anthony, by by all of them. So if he can come in and even be like, like slightly below league average, like I'm not asking for much, but just, you know, competent, I would love nothing more than to see Jake Arrieta and Bezier Strope in the same game together once again. And I think it could happen. I don't know what happened to Pedro last year in 2020, but, you know, the guy's still in great shape, still has the enthusiasm. We don't know how much COVID influenced his performance. So he's another one to watch. And in fact, if he's coming out there throwing 94, 95, 96, Corey, that's going to really pique my interest. Yeah absolutely he's just uh one of those guys you want to see succeed and you know look like obviously you you can't build a team completely out of vibes or feel good stories things like that but you can root for those things and and you can root for those things to be a part of the team and you know like you said with Javi like some of these guys they they bring a value that you don't always see you know it's not something you always see on the field and I I think as as Cubs fans and certainly as, as fans of this organization most recently we should know that better than everybody because that's who our manager is right like David Ross's value on the field as John's personal catcher and a defensive catcher and you know the pickoffs and catching runners and stuff like that it was it was easy to see right even if he wasn't always you know lighting the ball on fire at the plate but we heard so much about how valuable he was as a leader as a mentor as a motivator things like that and that stuff matters you know so like I said you you can't build a roster off of feel-good stories guys got to perform at the end of the day and you know especially a team like the Cubs, you know, you, you need the guys on those margins and, you know, the the, the depth to perform, to, to really help this team. Uh, but y- you need some of those guys. Some of that stuff is important. And, you know, Strope is one of those guys where it's it's really easy to root for him and say, man, if he can be even a somewhat contributor on this pitching staff, the value he brings in other areas, and especially, you know, you might be looking at a scenario where this pitching staff has a ton of younger guys or guys who, you know, just don't have as much experience being an everyday bullpen guy or an everyday starter guy. And, you know, Pedro is hugely important uh, in those roles. And I and I think those examples with Javi, even though Javi's a position player, uh, really highlight that. So, there's a lot of stuff to look for as as we have begun spring training and and we will continue to talk about it. I know that, you know, some of this stuff is is things that we have broken down before and and looked at a little bit, uh but you know, wanted to make sure that as we begin this Cactus League slate, we had reset the table for you and you know kind of uh reminded you a little bit of some of the key things to watch and you know as you're looking at these box scores or Tuesday Wednesday when we're able to see the games you know just those little things to to look for and you know I think more than anything like just see if anybody stands out to you and you know if if they do you know hit Brendan and I up on Twitter or Instagram or whatever and let us know what you're thinking but uh, you know I think that's that's really the thing to watch see which which of these guys are really making a name for themselves and having any kind of standout performance to kind of make the the job of the front office and, and David Ross and his staff a little easier or a little harder in some cases right you know making decisions a little harder uh, that maybe they otherwise thought were kind of easy so that is where we are and as we go through spring training we'll obviously have more of those things to break down as we get some of these guys out on the field for the first time and and you know kind of aside from the the footage that we've seen from the Cubs or Marquee from these workouts and and things like that it's going to be our first look at these guys uh some of these guys it's going to be our first look at these guys in a while right you know we didn't have that much footage from uh South Bend and and the satellite 
field and there wasn't a minor league season in 2020. So some of these guys, we're getting our first look at them in a, in a good while. So it's it's going to be interesting and, and some some fascinating battles and, and, you know, position decisions for the Cubs to make. So that is all stuff to watch. And I know uh, you mentioned him earlier and, and we, we, we spoke about him briefly, but before we sign off here, Brendan, I'm going to, because I'm about to say a a name that I, you know, is kind of a tongue twister right after Brendan. Okay. Watching Brendan Davis in the Cubs uniform in Major League Spring Training, he took one oppo to the wall today. I'm telling you guys, if he had taken that out, (laughs) Brendan and I (laughs) would have been so insufferable and justifiably, and all of you should be as well. He is really talented and really good uh and i i i can't wait to watch him Uh, that's one of those things like you're a bigger spring training guy you're a bigger minor league guy than i am brendan but being able to see brendan davis like sandwiched in a lineup he he came in as a replacement today but if we get to the point in spring training where like the lineup reads like peterson baez Contreras, davis Oh man, that is oh going to be God. fun because that <laughs> that dude is the future of this outfield. He is really good, and so I enjoy him. You know, sort of being at this level now because it it's going to skyrocket at some point. Brennan Davis is an absolute animal. I mean, he looks like he gained like thirty pounds. Like he went from like a like a boy to like this like huge dude all of a sudden. But Corey, like that that opposite field blast. That must have been over 380, like pushing 390. Those spring fields, I know because I played on them, those spring fields are so far back. That may have been a home run at Wrigley Field. So in in my mind, in my mind, that was a home run by Brennan Davis. Yeah, so I, I can't wait to see him out there some more and... That's that's pretty much what we have for you today. It was good to have baseball back. It's, you know, where we're... In this country, in the world, we're we're inching back toward you know more more normal, and so you know it was good to see a, a limited number of fans socially distanced, you know, in their masks and stuff. Uh, but good to see progress in that regard, and and just uh, you know giving us the vision that you know at some point, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to be back at Wrigley Field and and be giving these guys the energy that we want to give them and, you know, that guys like Javi Baez and, and others have, have certainly missed. So uh, enjoy it. There's there's some games on TV this week, and it's, it's good to have baseball back in our lives. So we will be back with you soon. And until then, as always, go Cubs.